0: You're listening to the Bringing Life to Work podcast by Habanero. I'm your host, Brian Edwards. In each of our podcasts, we focus on unlocking the hidden people potential within organizations by creating employee experiences that matter. In this Bringing Life to Work podcast, I talk to Habanero president, Stephen Fitzgerald, about how organizations can create lasting change. We discuss the current business climate that is causing many organizations to not succeed with their change initiatives and discuss the outdated business change approaches that have contributed to the problem. Stephen also shares some modern techniques and methods that should be considered by any leader that is contemplating an organizational move that involves change, whether it's about a digital transformation program or a cultural change needed to adapt and stay competitive. So, Stephen, thanks for joining me today on this conversation about change. Just a quick introduction of yourself. You're the president and founder of Habanero Consulting Group, and we're about making a change in the world around the way people experience their work, uh, making work lives better. And I'd love to hear your perspective on, um, you know, why this conversation about change is important to the work that we do to start off.
1: Yeah, when we started working... uh, in this organization, happened when we first got going on, it, we were really focused on technology, and we quickly realized that the what was really happening was that people were having to work differently, collaborate differently. So this idea of human-centered change has been embedded in our work from the very beginning, uh, and it, and it really became this opportunity for us to explore, you know, on a broader and broader, in a broader and broader context, uh, you know, what is it that gets in the way of people's change, and, and what is it that um, it helps people be more successful with change, and, and it's so connected to our pursuit of great employee experiences that it, it's really at the core of what we do. And, and I would say change is ev- everything we do in organizations involves change, and so uh, we can label it as other activities in, in a lot of cases, but it's all change. Uh, and so that, that applies for the stuff we do inside of Habanero for ourselves and, and the work that we do with our clients as well.
0: And maybe you could go into just a tiny bit of um, when someone's listening and they hear the word change, uh, what kind of change are we talking about? Um, is, it, is, it, uh, is there something that's bigger than a bread box here? Um, what, what kind of defines the kind of organizational change that we're referring to when you, we use that word? That's a,
1: that's a great question. I, I feel like this is a, it's a deceivingly important question because what we run into a lot is we are brought in to help people sometimes implement technology for example and it's too often thought of as technology implementation and maybe the the prize at the end is adoption when really what's happening is change we're asking in some cases we're asking people to change what they do every hour of every day that's significant right or how they relate to the people they work with in other in other cases it's grander and it's more classically thought of as change where you know our culture is this way now and we want our culture to be this way in the future how do we how do we you know what's our journey along there to get from one place to the other, um, so it can be change is change whether it's focused on a small project uh, as long as it inv- involves humans. There's some change element all the way to these grand, you know, digital transformation or organizational change or culture change. Uh, these kind of big, large scale things that are run around dimensions like trust or or um, agility or different, these big dimensions, but there, it's all change. It's all different scale and different versions of the same ideas. So whether or
0: not you're a listener who's implementing some technology and your idea is um, the change is going to be created from people starting to use that technology and behave in a different way, or you're in this larger uh, initiative around a transformation the organization needs to work in, that sort of cultural behaviors that will get you to that new destination need to to be altered or changed like that. This this conversation applies to both those scenarios. I
1: think absolutely, yeah.
0: When we sat down to talk about this conversation, one of the things that I think emerged for me was this thesis that change isn't working. Uh, that the current approaches and the current ways that people go about thinking about change are antiquated. And, and that, that the, the net result of that is people get to the end of it and they're hitting their heads against the wall because the things they intended to change didn't really actually move at all. Um, maybe, it, would you agree with that thesis for this conversation? And, and maybe, do you have anything to say about that?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of evidence to say that the current uh, practices related to change and change management specifically are not being as productive as they need to be. I feel like there's some... Um, macro trends supporting the the the, the ever decreasing effectiveness of current change strategies and then there's there's some I think new techniques and revo- revo- um, revelations that have spurred different ways of going about it and just the the field is is growing so uh, the net effect of that is I think we find a lot of organizations that are starting to get curious about the new paradigm of change and so I would describe the kind of the old world and the new world as the old world is you identify an aspiration to be different. You send out some people in the organization to do some analysis, some investigation, you might send out business analysts and things like that, and you come back and basically a bunch of smart people in the room, uh, maybe with a facilitator, maybe with a designer, they sit in front of a wall and they, you know they design the future, and they come up with a new fill-in-the-blank strategy, approach, process, culture, incentive. solution, Yeah, incentive, whatever it is and then they, and then they go forward and they launch it and they, they bring in the change management people and they, uh, train people, they, they communicate to them. They, but the, but there's this change process that starts as a kind of a project at the end of the design process for what the future will be. Um, and so that, that's, that's how change has been done so far. And that's, uh, largely how, um, the, you know, the idea between behind ProSci and ADCAR. Uh, but the new world of change is more human-centered, and it has some really important different characteristics. And one of them is that um, change happens, change should happen all the way through through a process. It, it, I'm actually, stepping back a little bit, everything we're working on has changed. I, I mentioned this at the front of this conversation. Um If we're implementing new software or developing a new strategy or putting on a new system, it's going to change. It's going to be change for people. And it might not be a huge change, but you you ought to think about all these things as change. It's not a software project. It's not a new process initiative. It's not a new strategy. It's change for people. It's those things as well. But we we need to consider that as change. So we need to start from the beginning thinking about the change as we design the process. We can't come up with a new future without thinking about the change journey to get there. So that comment
0: even in the way that you just described it um uh does find the face of the idea of what change is in that most organizations think of something that they need to do and then they go get the change department to do the change piece like we've recently had a client talk about their experience of like engaging with their change management group and they talked about overlaying the change right uh, which is which is like this like distinct and different thing than right. the change they're trying to create it's this like yeah. thing you apply um, it's not, yeah. and and that just that's not our belief.
1: Right. I'm. We've heard or, organizations pejoratively refer to their change management group as the posters and training people, and yeah, it's it's a it's kind of an add-on, it's almost an afterthought. I'm afraid to say at the end of a project versus embedding thinking about the entire thing as change and and building it out that way.
0: Maybe, probably much to the sadness of the people in the change department who want to be involved. They don't. At they don't want to other parts of the either. process. Yeah. Smart
1: people who really, you know, who who. Um, deserve to work uh, to, to uh, with greater effect to, to change the organizations they work in. Yeah,
0: Maybe just to set up this uh, conversation a bit more because you sort of whetted our appetite for this. Um, let's talk about the macro trends that we're seeing because I, I think they're really an important anchor as to like describing or helping people understand why we have such a uh, perhaps unique or emergent perspective on what needs to change around change. Um, what what do you think the macro trends are in this space? Right, so
1: we're we are seeing some really interesting things. If you step back far enough, we we're going from an economy that's dominated by tasks that are largely, you know, you know, going back into the '50s, you know, manufacturing economy, and tasks are mechanical, repeatable, require low creativity, and so that trend has been um, changing steadily since the since the 50s. I know that's when the U.S. Bureau of Labor started measuring, and I'm sure it's been trending even longer than that. But much more of the economy, a very high percentage of all the jobs require creativity. Uh, there's lots of data that talks about the increase in um, the requirement of people to work in teams so that we've got people, re- we, we need more people's creativity. We need them to collaborate and work more. And so... The, the performance and output of our organizations is, is more and more dependent on this kind of really intangible, amorphous human performance element. Uh, so before we could come up with these, with these strategies that address the problems and they would be relatively successful because we had, we had known unknowns. And now we're, now we're in a more, um, we're going from a, a complex to, to more of a, or sorry, of a complicated to a more complex realm if you use a Kinefin framework idea. And we're dealing with a lot more unknown unknowns. And, and it's, it's much more complex and to nuanced to, to orient uh, a group of people who are relying more on their, putting them in the position where they can do their best work and, and bring, bring their best creative selves to their jobs. And they have to do that in, the, in an environment where they're supporting other people to do that. So it's a, as you can appreciate, this is a different environment. So the old ideas of change don't fit in this new world where we're demanding new things from the people in our organization and our, and our industries are more competitive. And we, the organizations that continue to rely on or on, are, are continue to be satisfied with, with people showing up and doing mediocre work and, and not really set up to win and, and the output of that, they're, if they're satisfied with that, they're, they're not going to be very competitive in their industries and they're going to struggle. So there's competitive forces also driving that. There's competitive forces that are driving even our ability to uh, attract and, and retain great talent. And so there's there's a bunch of these dynamics that are, that are at play that are making organizations much more complex that require us to take a more human-centered view of change overall.
0: It's just adding one to that list too, that like the pace is changing too. like The pace of technology, the pace of um, yeah. what other people are doing. Maybe it's nested in that competitive comment there, but the yeah. just the pace in general that people... Um, Need to respond to on a right. regular basis. With an organization's quite yeah. quite changed.
1: Yeah, the world has proved to us uh, quite a bit in the last decade that organization. It doesn't matter if you're 150 or 300 years old and a well established organization. Everyone's subject to you know going out of business and 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 or the industry changing so fast that they can't keep up with it. That didn't exist 50 years ago. That right. kind of dynamic market you know, this pace of change, as you said, just wasn't what it is now.
0: So um, these these things that you mentioned, um, you know, more human involvement, the more teaming and collaboration to get work done, the more um, sort of uh, intellectual, intellectual interplay, um, more complex environments to have all that perhaps happening in, and the pace of change and competition. Like all of these are the reason leaders are getting to the end of some massive transformation or change that they're trying to make. And they look around and they say, wow, we've we've changed processes. We've um, developed a new org structure. We have new incentives, mm-hmm. and yet, you know, why do I still feel like people are just doing the same thing they yeah. used to? Why do? Why are we
1: getting the same same result? Yeah. yeah. So,
0: so that that's a great framing for um, our point of view on this. Um, w- maybe you could paint a picture for me of the potential for change. Um, this idea of um, what does. What does the world or an organization look like uh, it, at the other side of kind of um, detaching from these current perhaps antiquated tools or maybe they're like a- adding to them because they're not mm-hmm. necessarily going to throw everything away. Mm-hmm. Totally, um, yeah.
1: You know, what is what's what's on the other side? So so let me start by being a slightly philosophical and expose my deeply held beliefs about, about humans. I, I really get a real visceral... Uh, deep down in my heart reaction when I hear people say things like oh you know that person will never change or we'll always be this way or there's this sort of uh, fixed mindset when when people are thinking about other humans curiously they think of themselves as highly flexible but they a lot of people tend to look at other groups of people or people and just think that's the way they are and they'll always be that way and it's it always breaks my heart just a little bit to hear that because I I, my experience is that, he, that human beings are so wonderfully flexible and adaptable. They're incredible that way. And so I would, my personal uh, dream is that you know, we live in a world in the future where we all have a higher level of expectation about the potential for human beings and our ability to adapt and change. So, that, so that's one part of the answer, and it's right. very personal. Right. The other is orga- organizationally, um, I, there's this uh, phrase you always hear, you know, change is hard like you're going to battle or, you know, you know we're, heading, we're getting in the trenches and, um, but humans thrive during change. If you, you know, you look back in your life and you think about the most fulfilling, amazing things you've gone through, they were, they might've been really hard work and they might've been difficult and they might've been a real challenge, but they are also really fulfilling. And so rather than just sticking with change is hard and thinking about it, thinking of it as something to be, uh, um, avoided because it's difficult. I would love people to think about, yeah, there are hard elements of change, but man, this is going to be amazing and we're going to end up, we're all going to end up better off because of it. Uh, th- there's a um, not so subtle change in the in the psychology or appreciation or, or conceptualization of change when people cross that divide from thinking about change as a difficult uh, and nasty and um, you know something to avoid versus something to lean into because it's a great opportunity to enrich our lives and make a better organization. That's another thing and I I feel like um, w- one of the when you get into human centered des- change and human centered design ideas, you you start to build this what I would call organizational empathy. And it's this this capability in your organization to stay more connected to what's inside the hearts and minds of the people in the organization. Um, And always be curious about it. And you get away from these assumptions about where people are at. And you get curious about stepping into and and continue learning more about it. So I feel like the future of change isn't like, oh, you know, change. It's not some, like, we're constantly changing, so change is easy. Because we'll always be stepping into things that are really difficult and challenging to get into. But the the future of change will be really led by empathy. It will be... uh, Processes that you know start start, middle and end are, are focused on really understanding where people are at in the journey. And I'm not talking about coddling people or I'm not talking about anything like that, but I'm talking about really facing the facts and the realities and the truths about what, what the behaviors and the beliefs are that underlie people's uh, propensity or ability to move quickly in some areas and what creates friction or holds them back in other areas.
0: That's great. I think um, all of those points of view about... Uh, what the potential is for the future, I think we'll, each of those will resonate differently with different people too. Um, yes. I, I think that idea of human potential, I, I, I know uh, not everyone's there with this no. idea that that the world is um, full of a bunch of people with a bunch of potential. Um, so, but th- I
1: think people are kind of beat down by trying to get into it and trying to, their view of where people should be not matching what those people's view is. And it, and it just, it feels like, oh, it's so hard to get people to change. And, uh, and I, I kind of think it's because we're going at it the wrong way.
0: Yeah. For sure, there's this um idea as I am in the market talking to people about change. there is this sort of like gripping the handlebar's moment of like, okay, I gotta hunker down right now, which seems brace yourself um, brace yourself yeah, yeah, this is this is gonna be challenging which is um which is uh makes a lot of sense when you say that so with all of that as context for this conversation, I'm gonna circle back to something that you said that kind of anchors a part perhaps like significant point of view for Habanero, and that's this idea that everything is change mm-hmm. um, that you mentioned. And um, I it triggers two things for me. One is, you know, I was at this recent roundtable, and it was uh, directors, so a few VPs in the room, but mostly director-level people in the organization trying to create some change in their organization around um, the d- digital toolkit, like implementing cloud technologies, Office 365, and their idea of uh, change was like getting people to use the tools, mm. and yet adoption. all of them... adoption, yeah, yeah, yeah. A kind of a proxy for usage. Uh, and it, and yet they all talked to this executive idea that there was something bigger, there was a, a larger potential um, that that was there, and they just they just didn't have that idea of that as part of their. Um, yeah belief or desire or I don't I don't even know what you'd call it, but um but if we're trying to relate this conversation to them, I, I think this idea that everything is change actually is kind of instructive to um, uh, like behind and unpacking adoption is actually something kind of more meaty um, or so maybe something with a yeah, higher potential it,
1: it, aiming for adoption is a pretty l- low bar. It's not very inspiring. Um, we if we're gonna invest, like One way to look, think about it is every leader in every organization needs to be great at change. So I don't care if you're in finance or HR or IT or the CEO or whatever. Your job is to create change, successful change in the organization. Um, and so thinking about my job is actually just to implement software and get people to use it. You could do that. You know, you could find them on their you know, they could take their bonus away if they don't. You know, there's lots of ways to do it that aren't that don't actually meet the bar of successful change. But that's your job as a leader, and I think it's that simple, right? It's it's a key part of your job as a leader.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I I think what I love about this idea of hunkering down with this this curiosity around everything is change is is maybe instructing those people to lean into what's the real change that you're trying to make in the organization that's going to have. The impact on the organization that is meaningful mm-hmm. uh, to walk away from this process and this adoption, if you will, with something that feels like it had a genuine impact. And it's yeah. the the like the technology space when we use the term digital transformation. It's rife with these really neat ideas of um, new boundless ways of collaborating mm-hmm. and, and transparency and openness mm-hmm. and psychological safety and the idea of like cre- cr- like great teaming and yet. Those, those, all of those things seem out of reach for someone that's just kind of implementing digital we're not, tools.
1: No, that's not my mandate. Yeah, and and did, we we're picking on uh, IT leaders here. Um, uh, this shows up everywhere. Like, I just had a conversation today about a senior leadership team who's contemplating a new, like, altering the business model of the organization, and they're thinking about it as a strategy. Well, it, it there is a strategy there, but this is change too, just like implementing new software. We have this tendency to overintellectualize the mechanics of the process and technology bits, and completely underrepresent the human element of everything that's going on, and and, and it shows up all over the business, senior people, senior leadership team, IT, HR, everywhere.
0: You have this really interesting story that I've heard that uh, what we were helping an organization. I'm gonna tell the story, and you can tell me if I'm right. <laughs> we were helping the organization. Um, that had an intent and a desire to be more agile, um, unpack some of the beliefs that sat uh, at different levels in the organization around why the organization was struggling with adapting sort of more agile approaches to um, to implementing projects, implementing programs of work. And so the work there was to um, to, to sort of go in and lean in and understand the, that what was there for this sort of middle layer in the organization. But there's a really interesting exercise to me that, was about trying to connect the leaders in the organization with the people on the ground that were trying to implement the work. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about what that exercise was.
1: Yeah, so we had a we had an agile project team bombing away, trying to work differently, quite a bit differently in the, or- the organization. And we had senior leaders who were very committed to the idea of being agile, but a lot of their behaviors showed up. Um, in a way that let's just say was not very helpful for the Agile team being successful. So there's big gaps in, in you know intent and behavior. And so we did something called a fishbowl. And what, what that involved was um, getting uh, the Agile team together to do sitting in a room, literally sitting in the middle of a large room in a circle of chairs with one empty chair. And they were doing a, a project retrospective where they were reviewing the, the previous sprint And around that chair were tables and on in the chairs and the tables were, and this is a very hierarchical organization. where senior leaders in the organization like I'm thinking maybe four or five levels above above the the poor people in the chairs in the middle of the room. And so the, the rules of engagement were that you couldn't say a word if you unless you're sitting in one of the five chairs in the middle of the room. So if someone in the outside had a had a question or wanted to engage in some of the conversation, they would have to put up their hand, get noticed, and be asked to come sit in the chair in the group. So you have one person that can go sit in the chair, and so they enter there. They enter the team's conversation, um, and, and it has this amazing ability to break down the hierarchical um, uh, construct that tends to really. Uh, wreak havoc with psychological safety for people on the team. It's very hard for people, people. It was very hard for people on that team to express really what was going on to them in this setting. Um, but when when the people on the outside of the room, the senior people came and sat down in that session and asked their questions, you could see them shift into the language of the team. So it became a conversation at the level and in the context of the team, and it was such a great learning experience for the team, but more importantly for the all those senior executives. And it had a huge impact on their appreciation and understanding of the complexity of what they're trying to take on. And one of the big problems with change is that we're very impatient, and we think, "Well, I, I understand where we should be. I don't understand why other people don't." And that was one of those exercises where everyone realized, "Oh, you know, we're actually in for something pretty significant here." And there's this is way more complex and nuanced, and also worthwhile than we than we thought it was originally. So it's a super powerful exercise.
0: Yeah, I mean, it gets, it comes back to that everything is change comment in the beginning here which is uh you know at different levels in the organization the idea of what it's going to take in order to enact that change is going to be really different so i love that that exercise is a way of getting into distinguishing these different viewpoints and altitudes around the change and and um and getting people on the same page that of what this what this change is mm-hmm. um and what needs to happen in the organization mm-hmm. um you've mentioned so look, going on to another point. Uh, the, you've mentioned this idea of future leaders um, are going to be basically change leaders in their organizations. Uh, and this this idea I, I, I formed in my head around when you said that, this developing um, an empathetic muscle in the organization. Maybe you can describe to me this point of view of um, what what does it mean to build an empathetic muscle in the organization when it comes to change? Like our, our, our processes around change are like a whole bunch of people get in a room, they make some decisions around things that need to happen or change. They maybe even start to create the plan of how that's going to happen. And then they per- perhaps at this stage, maybe start to engage a change management department to kind of enact the change. Um, but then like human beings get in the way. Cause that's what human beings mm, do. So pesky. Yeah. So what is, what is, um, what is developing this empathetic muscle mean to those
1: groups? Yeah. It's interesting. We, we, like david gray's analogy of um being the the trick is to be on the dance floor executing some complicated ballroom dance maneuver and really knowing where your feet are and where your partner are and where you are relative to the dancers all around you Uh, but simultaneously being able to be on the balcony and see the dance floor and see the the broader movement of everything and everything that's going on and it's very hard to be in the system and understand the system at the same time so uh, another way to phrase that is it's very hard to be objective and have objective insights into what's going on in your organization. When you're in the organization, it's just really hard. So one of the roots to building this empathetic muscle is finding ways to get that objectivity. And so by its very nature, by, de- by definition, culture is the, um, we talked about this in our last webinar, uh, the under-the-water level behaviors and beliefs that have that are so rote, that are so um subconscious in your in your organization they just happen every day every minute of every day with everyone in the organization that you don't even notice them Um, and so how do you unpick those behaviors and the beliefs and the ones that count and matter for the change initiative you're on so so that that objectivity becomes super important when you're trying to get in and, and discern what those things are and so getting back to your question about how do you become more empathetic there there are there are tools and techniques for doing it. And it sounds very self-serving, but one of the obvious things is to just have outsiders come in and observe your organization because they're not in the system. And the themes that emerge to us when we go into organizations are super loud and clear to us, but they're not to the people in the organization. It's kind of funny. It's like, you know, I'm a little bit older now and I, you know, high pitched noises, my kids can hear and I can't. It's sort of, (laughs) we're sort of like the kids in that, in that analogy. (laughs) Um, uh, So, so getting in the organization, um, getting some support sometimes from external organizations or perspectives, rather, I think is a better way to say it. But also there's there are skill sets around what we call empathetic research, around uh, building capabilities, around using tools where you're having conversations and or workshops where you're putting people in moments of high psychological safety and you're allowing them not to prognosticate about the future or comment on the State of the Union or anything like that or, or, or share their ideas for strategy, but share. you want them to share something they're deeply expert at, their own personal experiences. So one of the routes to building that empathetic muscle is building a strength around, around collecting and understanding, interpreting, and synthesizing people's experiences in the organization. Without proxies, without political um, um, interpretation, but actually being getting the honest truths out of people, synthesizing those things and pulling the themes out of that that's another route to build um, build that kind of um, organizational empathy that's so powerful and so absolutely 100% required for real change.
0: Maybe I jumped ahead there too because we just talked about the how um, you could build that empathetic muscle but the, like the, the real reason one would go about that in the, in this idea of a change journey is to like look at these and insightful beliefs and behaviors and use those insights as levers for the change, um, whether it be to identify the kind of blockers and the things that are going to get in the way or, mm-hmm. um, or the things that are going to accelerate the change. I
1: right, mean, just, to, just to put a point on that, uh, I, I feel that there's, there's this really simple model of, you know, we are here today. We're, we want to go there in the future, roughly speaking. Uh, organizations are almost always very unclear about where we are today. They know a lot about it, but they don't know the the behaviors and beliefs, especially the beliefs that really matter, that hold them there today, so they need help discerning that. So part of that is actually really understanding the problem that they're solving. So there's, we help a lot in that area. But from there, you're really well prepared to chart the path to, to the future. Um, and if you're smart about it, you're actually co-creating it based on all that uncovered knowledge that you gained, understanding where you are today versus, you know, having, this big guess about the future, you know, the smart people in the room designing the future idea, uh, you're actually in- involving people in it.
0: So, this idea of uh, using empathy, identifying all these beliefs, behaviors, um, I'm, I'm going to say this stories, lived experiences, setting up a psychological safety. Like, I, I think even using all those words in the constructs of, um, Employees is so distinct from what change management might call it, which is like stakeholder analysis, right? Like we've just we've just kind of blown the idea of stakeholder analysis up quite a bit um, Because it's way more nuanced and it's way more intimate and it's it just requires a like a, a a different set of empathetic tools than I think kind of modern change management practices.
1: Yeah, one of the one of the ideas that you pointed out to me, Brian, um, that drives me crazy about AdCar is like there's an element in it that's really, and I'm, I'm being very unfair by characterizing it this way, I'm not, and I'm not trying to bag on AdCar, but they, you know, you go into the stage and you need to educate or convince the the stakeholders about w- why they should be motivated to move to the feature state, and that just sort of drives me crazy because there's this opportunity to go. These aren't these aren't sheep, you know, they weren't, there's not cattle or some farm animal. Like these are intelligent human beings that are probably, you know, very in tune and connected to their jobs and their roles and there, and thus have a very unique, um, knowledgeable perspective on the journey that they have to go through to be successful. Um, so there are, there's just a better, more evolved way of involving them and in helping get insight and build towards the future. And whether they're co-creating what that future state is or they're involved more in, in providing insight that, that's used to do that, it's just a different level of respect. You're not saying, well, we've designed your future now we need to convince you and motivate you to get to that future. You're not selling anyone anything. You're actually tying into the motivations, the beliefs that, that exist already and or um, unpinning the beliefs that are really unhelpful. And that's a, different, that's a totally different situation.
0: Right. So, okay. So I'm going to recap the like two big points we've made too, so far is this idea that everything is change. Um, and there's a lot to unpack in that, of course. But um, some of the kind of key ideas there is that, uh, one, this idea that leaders might be underserving their organization by thinking about change as something like adoption and that there's this higher level order of of potential within their organizations. Inside of that, everything is changed. And even if they are only thinking about adoption, they need to realize the underpinning um, behaviors and beliefs and actual um, effort that it's going to take to make human right. beings do real something friction. different. Yeah. And then the second one is this idea of using... Um, empathetic tools to really understand what's there for the organization sit in someone's lived experience and pull those stories and insights beliefs and behaviors out as as part of the change journey so now you've started to talk about and and I um, I think this is kind of a third point is this idea of when that work starts and what I hear you suggesting is it doesn't start after the leaders have created something it actually starts in the very beginning because you've used this term, like, hopefully we can co-create the future together. Tell me more about this idea of um, co-creating the future and how that's really distinct from our idea of change right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I find that's a super fascinating topic. And um, to sound slightly judgmental, what I, my experience of this is that leadership teams feel it's their responsibility to clarify what the future is and design it and then push the organization in that direction. When the opportunity is to get the organization involved in um, refining the ideas and taking the aspirations from the leadership team and the board and and the governance, whoever the company's organized, um, and and building that future together. So it's it's a very different thing. So the idea of of co-creation isn't just it's not some it's not this sort of democracy of we everyone it's not a Montessori school and everyone gets to decide what you know get gets to pick a color for the wall in their office it's actually about leveraging the collective intelligence and insight and understanding of your entire organization in the process of of de- designing the future and potentially stakeholders outside of your organization too and you know History has proven over and over and over again that many brains working together to solve a problem is, m- is much smarter than one single brain or a small group of brains. Yet, or, this is part of this organizational mythology that, you know, the le- senior leadership team needs to be the one that plant the flag in the future that we're going to race to. And I think that idea just has to go away. Um, and co-creation shows up um, in all sorts of positive ways. Uh, for the people in the organization, too, and it's part of the mechanism of why change starts at the beginning of the process because when you start to involve people in first through empathetic research and understanding their lived experiences, you're you're actually um, recruiting them, re- recruiting their, their, their mind into the process of change, and you're opening them up to the future in a, in a really constructive way because they're being heard. Um then you have the opportunity to, to bring those, those people or, or subsets of those people or groups of those people into very specific efforts to co-create elements of change that will most affect their part of the role. And, and this is, we gotta get out of this idea that we can design the, the perfect experience for everyone and just pass it on to them. We're better off to come into the ideas and the capabilities of the change and the tool set or whatever we're doing them and going in and working with that team to help to work with them and facilitate their development of the future. And so that's another big element of change. So people feel really engaged. They feel ownership. And then you get to the end of that process. When people are engaged that way, you don't need change management at that point. They don't need to be cha- trained. They don't need to be uh, convinced that they should be motivated about the future. They built the damn future. They they own it. They'll be mad if they don't get there. So it's a very different paradigm.
0: Yeah, I have a, a quick little story about a client that we saw this happen at where they were interested in rolling out a new digital platform. And Their idea as a CIO was really quite uh, powerful, which was to change the transparency in the organization the way that people share information because IT had a view to the kind of information management craziness, the security and the hiding and hoarding information that had been going on in the organization, not really as a result of um, anything in particular, but just sort of habits that had been formed over years. And when they first started rolling out the, the technology, they realized people in the organization still did the same things that that they were doing on the old technology stack. And so they re, they introduced a new conversation um, inside of the organization around this idea of what does transparency look like for us and what does change look like for us around this and started engaging people in an imagination of what, what that could look like. And, and people were coming up with their own ideas on how they could be implementing and changing and using this technology in new ways. And so it's just peeling back the onion um, a little bit to getting to the meat of the the change that you're trying to create and then and then working with people on co-creating that um, really works because now there's there's a huge momentum towards this idea of transparency that's not just sort of sitting in the CIOs mind but it's actually starting to permeate through their organization
1: that's a I really like that story Brian and one of the things that makes me think of is um, the idea of fidelity when you engage the people who will be involved in the change in the change process you get this much more this higher resolution of of what has to really happen all the nuances and you 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 actually have a broader base of an ability to engage in that so you you get more complexity more nuance and more ability to take that on and that's that's really where the change happens right it's a cool so we're doing this um working on the, the idea of raising the, the bar for trust in an organization that's pushing 100,000 people. And so what we what we learned in this organization is you can survey and do quantitative analysis till the cows come home, and you can get tons of data, but it's really hard to know to, to boil that down into with enough fidelity and clarity of, of, to take real action that has a meaningful impact. So the other way to go about it is to use that quantitative data to zoom into areas where you know you can make an impact and try iterations or or sprints of a little bit of empathetic research and build a prototype of of an idea that might change trust, and and use it with a bunch of people, get their feedback, and engage them in the process of understand co-creating what that prototype is and trying and understanding how successful it was. That's really a really high fidelity, high resolution kind of solution that makes an impact, and you can go from there and scale scale that or try more iterations and work on that. And that's that's a different proposition. Um, Then trying to boil the ocean and solve that problem through other means that might at the surface seem more efficient because they're evolving less people. But it's really hunting for a needle in a haystack using these other approaches like empathetic research, qualitative analysis at that level. That's when you zoom into the high resolution, uh, high fidelity, clarity that you really need to create meaningful change.
0: That's great. That's um, maybe exiting the com- the commentary on this idea of co-creating the future and kind of heading us into another habanero point of view, which is about this um, learning process around change that I think lots of organizations fail to um, fail to be successful at. And this is a big one because you just used words like sprint and experiment and try and i think all of these words are fearful words for right. leaders in organizations right. they're, they're, i think lots of people in organizations don't feel they have the structures to support them underneath those terms and um, the right, and, yeah. and, and, and the belief so so but but i i think our belief is that the, they absolutely have to get ready for this idea of um, Iteration and uh, being comfortable with elements of failure around this. So maybe can you say more about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess we wouldn't. This wouldn't be a topic if we were smart enough and the and we had no one unknowns and, and we could get our hands around saying, "Well, I, I'm really, really confident that if we did this, this, and this, we'd end up right here." But none of this work around culture and change and pesky human beings plays out this way. As I said we're in this uh, um, we're, we've gone from the complicated world to the complex world and sometimes sometimes even chaotic so so we the only way to find our way through this is to is to experiment and learn and try and, and and be more focused on the learning than we are on the kind of classic measures of productivity we do a lot of coaching around what some people call enterprise agile and it's this idea that they're trying to um, implement work in an agile way, whether it's technology related or not. Um, but but you need to actually shift how the organization works around that. And so in in that case, uh, because agile is actually focused on iterating and learning and getting to the exact right solution, um, and and avoiding the 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 guessing at the beginning and and the belief that whatever you said in the first week of the project will be true at the end of the project. Um, we, they they still exist in in organizational constructs where the leaders are saying okay that that's cool that you're doing agile just tell me you know the date this will be done how much it'll cost and exactly the features or the what it'll look like at the end and it and it just doesn't doesn't work that way so there there is quite a bit to do in organizations to adapt how we think about how work gets done and get away from this idea that anyone in our organization is smart enough to predict the future of exactly how everyone and everything's going to react to shift our culture from state a to state b uh and and realize that we have we have to be adaptive we have to be learn we have to learn our way through this and we constantly need to be um able to question where we're coming from and and question the problem we're solving and and go back to those fundamentals of the problem you know be able to Zoom up in, in altitude to really think: Are we still going in the right direction here? And then zoom into the details and, and zoom back and forth like that. Otherwise, we're, we'll continually chase objectives that might have been put on the you know, built on the wrong foundation. We talked about this early on about uh, in technology. You know, people get the mandate to implement some software. Um, you know, what was the, what is the problem we're solving? That what are we really trying to change? And has in the process of of going through that implementation process, have we actually learned the problems different and we're trying to solve different? You know, we're trying to solve something else. And, you know, very few organizations at this point have a lot of flexibility and capability to adapt that way, but it it is how organizations have to evolve. They need to develop that capability.
0: I think that of almost everything we've talked about today is going to be maybe one of the hardest things for organizations to wrap their heads around and adopt because um, when we've had this conversation of change with leaders and organizations, I think this idea, I mean we're really actually disrupting the way goals are set, where we're disrupting this idea of how how um, people envision the future and the march the organization to it. Um, you know we're really kind of disrupting this idea of change in general by that concept. but I but I think there's a lot of, Momentum around the world, I mean the startup community is a great example of people who have adopted highly attuned failure and learn and respond models mm-hmm. um, that that are addressing that kind of more complex, chaotic ecosystem that that more and more companies are operating in
1: and it, w- it would seem very wrong after I was talk about change if I said organizations just be- should become that way automatically, because you know that is a vision of the future. That organizations need to think. You need to mm-hmm. apply these very ideas of change towards, you know, th- finding their way there. And it is a journey. and It does take a long time. Um, it does take patience. And it does take determination to be different. Um, um, but it also shouldn't and can't happen all at once. Um, there are smart ways for organizations to find their way in that direction incrementally in a learning way. That helps them build confidence and be productive, I would argue more productive right off the bat, but, but, you know, get going and try things in different ways. So there's, there's absolutely ways to do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, what comes to mind instantly is it's not a surprise we're at the table with, Multiple organizations that are looking to be more agile in their internal processes—we've mentioned one in this conversation—but there's they're just one of a few um, who are really troubled by this idea of even shifting cultural behaviors around moving shifting away from let's call it a waterfall technique for for um, creating change in the in the organization. So um, yeah, it's it's hard, uh, and there's a change journey on making that change.
1: Yeah, I think it's really helpful as a as a first step to, um, I guess, sort of uh, submerse your team and some of the ideas, particularly the leadership team, just to get really comfortable with what these ideas mean and the implications. And um, I think the, the knowledge and understanding is really valuable, but I think potentially what's even more valuable is the opportunity for reflection, for leaders to think about how they show up and the behaviors they have that might make these things really harder or, or the things that they might be really excited about. There's strengths they have to build on in the organization. That would be the, the green shoots to, you know, to really get the place to get things going. Um, that's a really constructive way to, to get going on these things. We find a lot of organizations almost have hidden skunk works for little agile cells that are working to do things better. And it has se- seems to happen mostly in technology, no, techno- the technology area or IT areas because that's, where a lot of the stuff comes from originally. Um, but we're also finding it in, you know, um, other areas too, like customer service and different things like that. And, and so that's great, uh, but I feel like it would be good if, or it would be more constructive rather if senior leadership teams had started to develop a, a vision for how their organization could change in this one dimension of their culture and they leaned into it a little bit more themselves.
0: Great, so maybe that starts to wrap us up and I think I'll just quickly go through uh, just for the listener some of the key takeaways. Uh, um, Number one, everything is change. Uh, Number two, this idea of um, embedding empathetic research or empathetic muscle within the organization and identifying the cultural blocks uh, as well as accelerators and the beliefs and behaviors that, that will affect change. Three, this idea of Leveraging the bigger brain in the organization for a a, a co-creation of the future um, and being part of that journey of co-creating what that future looks like. And then number four, uh, shifting the organization to be comfortable with this uh, embedded learnings sprint iteration around this change. Um, Not assuming that a whole bunch of smart people can completely imagine what the future is going to look like, but know that there's going to be learnings along the way that will change your path. Uh, so those are kind of the big f- four takeaways for, that are really distinct from our current orientation around change and change management in general. Um, you started to say there this idea of leaders, first, the first stage of change for leaders to get kind of get into room and have these conversations. But perhaps this is where Habanero comes in um, to help because it's not uncommon to be called in to... Um, a client where there is some big change that they need to make and they're just kind of trying to figure out how and what to discern inside of that process. Um, Yeah. Maybe we could just kind of leave people with a a way of engaging with us when this, when this is something that they're looking for.
1: Yeah. it's, It's interesting at those early, early stages, I think I find what's most constructive is just to show up as a thought partner for, for leaders to think through, rationalize these ideas into their context, their culture and their, and their, language frankly um, and really start to get clear build some clarity about how things could be different and what it might be like to get there Um, and that that can start to evolve into working with teams getting around those ideas and we're really big believers in the best way to learn things is by doing you know not to work on concepts but to work on real things so to take things that actually matter that you have to get done and, and try these new techniques with them so the lovely thing about these all these ideas is they scale down to little tiny things that you can take on in a half hour and they scale up to massive organizational changes that take really long periods of time and involve, you know, tens of thousands of people. So starting on the small end of the scale, just getting going and and getting the concept and practicing and, and understanding what is it how how this process we're about to engage that we have to do anyways be a little bit different if we we're just a little bit more empathetic and we involved, maybe we involved things a little bit more involved the people affected by it a little bit more than we would have otherwise. And we, you know, and, and recognizing that everyone's going through change and it's a learning journey and being really reflective of how those things worked out. So there's, you know, you want to, you want to, we want to work your way into these um, incrementally and, and and with a real focus on, you know, we're, the, we're, we're starting to build skills we're not good at. And so we're not going to, Hop on the ski hill and be an Olympic skier on the first day. We're going to start on the bunny hill. And, And I think that's really critical to recognize where you're at with all these things.
0: And just to reiterate something that you've said earlier, I mean, even if, you know, whether they call, have an arrow in to help them with this change journey or not, I mean, the idea is that whether it's us or someone else, like the, we're, we're working our way out of a job because this is, this is the vision of the future is th- these are change muscles, that uh, the, the empathetic muscle, the listening into the organization, this new way of thinking about um, the human potential within the organization. Um, this, the, the dream state uh, for, for organizations is that, that this is something they do all the time. You're, we're, we're
1: trying to build a permanent capability in the organization absolutely yeah great
0: well i think that kind of summarizes the that's talk it about change today yeah <laughs> what a what, on that yeah thanks thanks for joining me on this conversation around change i think that's a great way to wrap it up and if anyone out there has any questions about this um, they can feel free to contact myself or yourself about this their change journey and, absolutely yeah thanks Stephen. thank you brian We hope you've enjoyed this Bringing Life to Work podcast and that it helps spark a discussion in your company. We believe every organization can be exceptional, but only with an intentional focus on the employee experience. See you again soon.